Great. How are you all? Good. What well, I want to say, it's, it's fantastic to be home. Uh, thank you so much for praying for uh, Penny and I and supporting us. We, we really uh, couldn't have done it without you guys. Uh, I've had dozens and dozens, literally, of missions trips over the last um, 20, 30 years. And I'd have to say that this last trip that um, we had to Germany was probably one of the most inspirational uh, trips that I've ever been on. So um, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that it's a lamp to our feet, it's a light to our path, that we can take encouragement from it. Lord, we thank you that there is power in your word, that, Lord, it will not return to your void. And so, God, we just open ourselves up to you this morning. And we just ask that, God, there would just be a deposit of your Holy Spirit placed within us and that, God, the seeds that you sow this morning would be watered and would just bring forth absolutely amazing fruit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as good as the trip was, it didn't really start that fantastic. I mean, I hate travel. Anyone with me on that one? Don't like travel? Two, three people, four people. I, I hate travel. I'd rather stay at home and go fishing. That's, that's the reality of it. Uh, but when Penny and I were invited to go to Krogus uh, in Germany, which is about 30 minutes' drive outside of um, Dresden, uh, to minister to the Steiger missionaries, we, we really felt that this was a God opportunity. And we didn't have the money. Uh, I hadn't taken a seminar on avoiding burnout before, so I knew there was going to be a lot of preparation um, to do. But we said yes in faith, and God provided it was absolutely amazing, actually. Um, five days before we were due to fly out, uh, Church Unlimited, who had previously given us 2500 uh towards our airfares, gave us another $2,500 to completely cover both of our travel costs. So that was just absolutely, absolutely amazing. Yeah, it is. So, 2nd of October, we headed off. 17-hour flight to Dubai. Six-hour flight to Prague, uh, rushed on to catch a bus between the airport and the central train station, which was a real, real nightmare, and um, couldn't actually figure out which platform our train was coming on. So um, I don't know whether any of you can speak Czech. Uh, I certainly can't, and that's what we were greeted by. Fortunately, 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 uh, there was a guy I met on the bus who was an American uh, Czech speaker, and so he was able to uh, read the board for us, and he was able to tell us that our train wasn't even up on the board at that stage, uh, because uh, they only put them on about five, ten minutes before they're due to take off. So we just watched, watched, watched the board, saw it come, and then suddenly there's this whoosh of people just running for the platform. So we just followed the crowd, got onto the right platform, train comes in, and then uh, because we hadn't actually booked a seat, we had to um, scurry onto the train, sat down, grabbed a seat, because we were a little bit pushy, and um, got, on, got onto the train. And then I noticed that above a lot of the seats, there was little tickets, which tell us that the seats are reserved. Looked up at our one. No tickets. 
Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, two-hour train trip from Prague uh, to Dresden, and I'm sitting there, 10 minutes into the journey, thinking, God, why did I say yes to this? I'd rather be at home fishing. <laughs> what on earth have I done? What have I got ourselves into? Uh, you know, often we need to step out of our comfort zone to step into God's plans and promises for our lives. Amen? I mean, God's supernatural, people-impacting, amazing plans for our life always require faith and always require stepping out in faith. And stepping out in faith is always uncomfortable. So if you are not uncomfortable from time to time, it probably means you're not stepping out in faith. Uh, one of the Steiger guys that we met uh, formed an organization called 1,000 Risks. And he did that to break the fear in his life and to remind him that he needed to throw aside fear and take a faith risk every day because our Heavenly Father is the King of the universe and we are the kids he supports. So he formed this organization, A Thousand Risks, and every day he tries to take a risk for Jesus. And I reckon that's absolutely amazing. So we arrived in our hotel in Dresden 42 hours after leaving Whangarei. And uh, not a lot of sleep on that, um, on that journey. And so we were absolutely shattered. Uh, hit the sack and woke up the next morning to this. And we thought, oh, man, that is pretty nice. That is pretty nice. So we took a bus trip around Dresden. We had a, um, we had a day off uh, before we had to go to Krogus. And at the end of our uh, journey, we had two days off uh, in Prague. And so we took a bus trip, uh, stopped off at art galleries, churches, which are absolutely amazing. And um, these are just some of the places that we happen to see. Um, and by the way, that cathedral, which is Dresden Cathedral, was completely rebuilt after the, after the war. The Germans, the Germans, the Americans carpet-bombed Dresden. Everything was absolutely flattened. And the people of Dresden... Uh, rebuilt this stone by stone by stone uh, after the war. So absolutely amazing. So uh, that's part of the inside of it. Um, brilliant. But the cathedrals in Prague were absolutely something else. I mean, oh, by the way, that's the, that's the, little, paint, that's the little painting, which is about three stories high over the altar. So can you imagine three stories up there? And that's the, that's the painting. In fact, all of the cathedrals that we had just had amazing multi-million dollar paintings all around them. Uh, this was in, um, this is in Prague. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah have, a, have a look at that inside. Um, that's, just a, um, that's just the ceiling in the library of the monastery next to where our motel was. <clears throat> My library at home isn't quite as ornate as that one. All right, and uh, these are the guys that we went to minister to. Uh, the, that's the Steiger team, and I'll tell you a little bit more about them later, but uh, that's the compound that uh, we stayed at, which uh, in the communist era of, um, 
of Berlin, uh, of East Germany, sorry, they um, used that because it was the centre of the grain production in the area. They built this place which was a hostel for all the workers. And Steiger came in uh, about five years ago and bought the place for, I think, about $270,000. So it sleeps, uh, what they've done up in there sleeps about 70 people so far. 70 to 80 people, and they've still got another big house that they're still to renovate. It was absolutely run down, but the, structurally it was pretty good. So, um, I've actually loaded probably the... Uh, oh, no, no that, that'll, be, that'll be right. So, the churches that we saw in Dresden and in Prague as ornate and as beautiful as they are, uh, recognising that they were the centre of their communities when they were first built. Today, basically, they are relics of a bygone era and they are only filled with tourists. And you look at these places and you think, what, what a waste. These should be filled with people worshipping and praising God and filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why the work that Steiger is doing in Europe is um, so, so important. And what Steiger does is absolutely amazing. Uh, we took a marriage seminar, we took um, an um, avoiding burnout seminar, and we had one-on-one marriage counselling with um, various people. I, I had the privilege of uh, taking communion uh, for the team and um, praying for the, the whole team. And it was really a privilege because this is the first time they've had a ministry or a missionary development week. And we were the first people that they asked to come and uh, minister to their missionaries. So it just shows you, uh, we've been involved with Steiger for probably 18 years as a, um, as a campus now. And uh, they really appreciate the, the work that we have done with them over those years. So what Steiger is doing is absolutely amazing. Their, their goal is to reach the global youth culture. They said no matter where you go in the world, the youth are all the same. They have the same culture. doesn't matter what language they're speaking. It's all uh, basically the same. The majority of evangelical churches' efforts are actually aimed at the biblical Christian, the sympathetic, nominal um, People, whereas the guys at Steiger, that's the te- that's the group that they're looking at, the anti-Christian, the cynical, negative, the apathetic. Uh, they're the ones that the guys at Steiger are trying to reach. And uh, we've been aware of the Steiger ministry with no longer music, as we've heard um, David uh, Pierce speak in years gone by. But no longer music would be less than ten percent of all the work that Steiger actually does in Europe and in Brazil and uh, in Lebanon. So what Steiger does is this. They uh, raise up missionaries and equip the local church to proclaim Jesus in the language of the global youth culture. And in doing that, they establish long-term teams and cities for evangelism, for discipleship, and for partnership with local churches. And uh, so they're involved in... um, Lots and lots of evangelistic efforts. They're involved with discipleship. They're involved with training. And uh, we're going to put all the stuff up on the missions board so you can have a good look at it later. But they're involved in so many different 
different uh, aspects. Uh, Steiger, ah, that, that is uh, Angela. And she's a 40-year-old mother of three. And she is a full-time missionary and leads the Ukrainian team, which is absolutely spectacular. Uh, gosh, in terms of their worship, in terms of their uh, heart for God, in terms of their fervor to reach um, Europe for Jesus Christ, the, these guys are hard out. This, this lady got hold of a book from David Pierce um, more than a dozen years ago, and when she read it, she was so inspired, she prayed and prayed and prayed that God would make an opening for uh, David to come to Ukraine. And she eventually wrote to him. He came... And they started the Steiger uh, team in Ukraine as a result of that. And uh, just I picked this up off the, off the net because just last week, uh, Angela and her team uh, led a youth worship conference in Belarus. And um, that's, yeah, that is absolutely amazing. The first time ever this has happened. That's in the Belarus um, Symphonic uh, Orchestra Hall. The main, basically, like the town hall in Belarus, absolutely filled with people praising and worshiping. In fact, it was so full, they had 300 people in the overflow that couldn't get in. So um, these guys are doing an absolute amazing, um, amazing work. And Angela, I'm still in contact with her because um, we had breakfast with her team and they were asking a lot of leadership bits and pieces and um, we've been contacting back and forwards, and we're going to do a couple of Skypes together just to help them to grow their team and just to help them pass on a lot of the stuff that we have learned here, um, which will be valuable for them over there. So Steiger, uh, today they've got 80 missionaries in nine countries, 200 team members, and you can see the countries where they've got bases. And their main focus really is in Europe, but they've got bases in, um, in uh, South America and North America, and uh, one in Lebanon, which is um, pretty exciting uh, as to the work they're, they're doing there. But last year, uh, Steiger saw 6,000 people respond to altar calls to accept Jesus Christ. 6,000. So talk about um, being good value for money in terms of support. These guys are absolutely fantastic. Um, I mentioned before the group No Longer Music. That's just one of the groups that they have. They have just so many different outreaches. Another one of their groups is New Techie, which was formed by a couple of guys from Belarus. And uh, we've, got a, um, we've got a video to show you now. So this is just New Techie and one of the outreaches that they've done over um, recent months. Kazakhstan is a country wonderful, kind and open people, also beautiful and picturesque landscapes. It happened so historically that Kazakhstan associates itself with Islam. Even in modern days, 70% of the population is considered Muslim. Going into the tour, we knew that nowadays relationship between government and evangelical churches are in its best in this country. Regardless, we decided to walk by faith and play our concerts in open areas, parks and shopping malls. As we were preaching, we were facing many obstacles from the government. Our shows were cancelled almost every day. 
We prayed and looked for the solutions. Thanks for incredible efforts of our organizational team and local churches. All of our concerts took place. Hello everyone, so we in Karaganda. Uh, our show in Karaganda has cancelled few times. We're supposed to be right here. Our stage supposed to be right at this place and we, we were going to play the concert in this central park but the government cancelled the show and they said it's because of the reconstructions works that should be here but as we can see no one here right now so but we we found the other place and we're going to play the concert tonight anyways Ничего подобного, как этот тур, не происходило в Казахстане последние 20 лет. Нам, как стране, нам, как христианам в Средней Азии, важно не упустить свой момент в истории и продолжать провозглашать Евангелие с крыш домов. Поэтому, когда мы узнали об этом туре, мы были очень рады стать частью и помочь в организации. Конечно, сейчас непростое время для христиан в Казахстане, но мы знаем, что любовь и надежда Христа может пробить любые стены. Мы любим свою страну, поэтому мы делаем это. With the permission of local believers, we prayed for people from this stage in several cities. However, we knew that we wouldn't be allowed to preach publicly, so we planned the follow-up for the next day after the concert in every city we went to. Some cities had already existed 6 p.m. and everyone who came and accepted Christ was directed to the local church and weekly 6 p.m. meetings by us. Где-то недели две назад у меня случилось ну, плохое кое-что в жизни, и мне было очень тяжело. То, что он говорил на сцене, это серьезно, это дало мне надежду. Ты верила в Бога? Раньше нет. Теперь да. Просто не знаю, это неописуемо так тронуло меня. Это вот рассказ о Боге. До сегодняшнего дня я как бы особо не верил в Бога. Но спасибо вам, то, что мне рассказали, объяснили. Он просто внутри тебя, в твоей душе. И сегодня, как домой приеду, я повторю то, что вы мне сегодня показали, рассказали. То есть я помолюсь. Его слова заставили меня задуматься об этом намного сильнее. И после этой встречи я хочу пойти в церковь и заняться. Хочу прочитать Библию. Это прям очень сильно заставляет задуматься. Я захотела это все прочувствовать на себе. Я захотела найти Бога. God put Central Asia on our hearts several years ago. All of it started with a small spark and now we are on the main squares praying with people and proclaiming the hope of Jesus. It is a huge privilege for us, but let's keep going. I believe God has a plan for the revival in Central Asia 
and it starts now in the hearts of these young people and your prayers. Thank you for believing in our ministry and supporting us. Together we can change the world. How good is that? So Steiger's vision is to reach 1 million people in 40 countries annually and um, establish long-term teams in 40 cities in 20 different countries. And we're a part of that. Uh, what, what a privilege it has been to just partner with these uh, absolutely amazing people. And um, as I prayed and just meditated on the last few weeks, I really felt God speak to me about uh, a number of challenging truths that um, he wants just to underline for us as a congregation uh, with respects to missions. And the first of these is that Steiger can't do what they have been called to do unless we do what we've been called to do. Let me just say that again. Steiger, all those missionaries, they can't do what they've been called to do unless we do what we've been called to do. As amazingly zealous and as committed and talented as these Steiger missionaries are in reaching the nations for Jesus, they can't do what they're called to do unless we do our bit as well. And what are we called to do? Well, actually, we're called to reach the nations. Uh, Jesus said uh, in Matthew 28, 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These words are what we call as the Great Commission. You'll find them in Matthew 24 and Mark 16 and Luke 24 and John 14 and a form of that in Acts chapter 1 as well. And basically, this is Jesus' heart to us. He's saying, hey, I have saved you, I've called you, and I want you to pass on what I've given to you by going out and reaching the nations. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, Charles Finney, John Wesley, they were amazing men of God. Uh, but we live in a greater day than what they did. And lesser people, people with less talents than those great guys, can do more in a greater day than greater men can do in a lesser day. And so, we are in that day. We are in that day that Jesus prophesied about, the day of the harvest of the earth. And we're seeing it. How, how many closed, dark cities, especially in Europe, we talk about the dark ages which have continued all the way through uh, to today in Europe, as it were. 
But basically, these countries are starting to open up. Young people are wanting to know what life is about. And we are strategically positioned through the Steiger bases in Europe to reach a new generation of global youth. Friends, it's harvest time on the earth, and the purpose of every Christian is to, be, is to be part of the harvest and to see the lost one for Jesus. Uh, Paul, when he's writing to the church at Rome, said, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that comforting to know that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? But then it goes on and it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? So all these brilliant, committed missionaries in Europe can't do what they want to do unless they are sent, unless they are supported. It's interesting that over 60% of Steiger's work in, in Europe is not cross-cultural. It's missionaries reaching their own nations. And we can support them in this. So how can we support them? Well, we can firstly, we can support them in prayer. Never underestimate the impact of your prayers. Uh, Samuel Chadwick said, The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He, fear, he fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. Satan laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. I was absolutely um, blown away by the culture of prayer that was evidenced amongst the Steiger missionaries. It, it, was, it was so refreshing. I mean, I used to lead the Assemblies of God um, missions program. And uh, so I was in contact with lots and lots of different missions organizations, but I've never... I've never seen a missions organization that has been so grounded, so founded, so, so much their DNA is involved with prayer. Uh, I mean, when we were receiving the regional reports, after, after say, three reports were given one morning, uh, we'd gather around the three different groups of people that had given their report, and we would pray for 15, 20 minutes. Uh, for each one of those. And that was the pattern all the time. In the uh, Steiger School of Missions, prayer, prayer, prayer is one of the foundations that they teach the students as the basis for going out and fulfilling the Great Commission. Ezekiel 22.30 said, I look for a man among them who will build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. And God is calling us and has called us over the last 22, 23 years since we've been up here. God is calling us to be a group of people who will stand in the gap. 
missions has been part of our DNA and part of the thing, part of one of the ways that we can support our missionaries is by praying for them. But how do you know who to pray for? How do you know what to pray? Well, if you're interested in the Steiger uh, group, and Steiger's just one of the uh, teams that we support, but they're one that does a fantastic work, get on the webpage. Uh, just Google Steiger. And uh, you can get onto the webpage, you can get onto their emails, uh, you can sign up for their prayer letters, and you can know exactly what to pray for and when to pray it. So I want to really encourage you there. We're going to put up a, a fresh a uh, lot of Steiger stuff on the notice board, so you'll be able to have a look at that. But please, be proactive in this and join up uh, on the Steiger website for yourself and uh, pray. Pray. Also, also we can give. Uh, Matthew 6.20 says, But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasurers." There your heart will be also. You know, my heart is for missions because this is one of the areas that Penny and I have sown into over the years. Wherever you store your treasure, that's where your heart and that's where your passion is going to be. Wherever you spend and invest your time and your talents and your resources, that's where your heart will be. So spend time and spend your talents, spend your resources where there are eternal consequences. Not everyone can go to the mission field, uh, but everybody can pray and everybody can give. There are, very, there are some people in our church here who are called to the mission field. It's in their DNA. It's what God has called them to do. And they will not feel fulfilled until they get out and go to where God has called them to go. But most of us can't do that. But every one of us are called to fulfill the Great Commission. And every one of us can do that by praying and by giving. So, for instance, Penny and I... Every month, we give to missions. We just have an automatic payment. It just goes out of our bank account, and we give to missions. And therefore, uh, that's where our heart is. We would have spent tens of thousands of dollars, maybe hundreds of thousands, in the mission field over the, since, over the last 40 years. And so where our treasure is, that's where our heart is going to be. So, <coughs> so my heart is on the fields of Europe. My heart is in Kalimantan. My heart is in India. My heart is in all those places that we have sown into, in Kenya and Uganda and Mozambique. And yours can be too. Make, make your life count. Make it count by sowing into those things that have eternal value. We may not be able to go, but we can send and support. The second thing that um, God was really speaking to me about uh, as a result of the things that we saw, the things that we were involved in uh, for our church is that we have an inheritance in the nations. Psalm 2 verse 8 says, Ask of me and I will make 
the nations your inheritance. The nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth your possession. The father of modern missions as we know it was an 18th century Englishman called William Carey. Uh, He was called to India and he was a cobbler. He was a guy who fixed shoes uh, with practically no formal learning. He gave the Bible to more people than any other. And once when he was asked what qualifications he had, Kerry replied that he was a plodder and he could plod for Jesus. William Kerry's career points to the fact that with God in our lives, we can achieve seemingly the absolute impossible. And perhaps one of Kerry's most famous quotes was, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And as we sow into the mission field, there is a blessing and there is an inheritance for us. Now, I don't sow into the mission field to receive an inheritance, but as a result of my sowing, there is an inheritance for me. So the inheritance is the fruit of my sowing. In Philippians chapter 4, the Macedonian church received an amazing prophetic promise that many of you will know. Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We all know that one. And actually, we, we, we pretty well quote that one when, everyone has, when someone has a lack in their life. We say, oh, you know, God will supply all your needs. But we don't often fulfill the criteria for the promise. And if we were to go back and have a look at verse 15, it tells us that this church, the church at Philippi, was the only church that invested finance into Paul's missionary journey. And so the blessing, the promise came from their sowing into Paul's missionary ministry. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, holds this church in Macedonia up as an example to the Corinthians. And he says, uh, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. In fact, I'm going to go back to the beginning of um, 2 Corinthians 8. And it says this, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. It's a grace gift. It's a grace. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So here was a church that absolutely pleaded with the Apostle Paul to take their money and use it because they understood that as they sowed into the Apostle Paul's ministry, they then became part of the fruit of that ministry. So we see all these fantastic things happening in Europe. Uh, We're astounded by the uh, amazing 
ingenuity of these missionaries that we were involved in. I mean, uh, one group <coughs> bought an octagonal tent type apparatus, and they'd just go from square to square, put this thing down, give away free coffees, have a guy just busking, as it were, all so they could draw people around them and then talk to them about Jesus Christ. They would do anything. Some were out there doing puppet shows. Uh, some had open mics. They'd just plonk a mic down there and let anybody come and, and speak into it, and then they would preach the gospel when they'd drawn a crowd. They would just use any opportunity and every talent they had to find ways of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we are part of that. Because we have sown into that. We've supported them. And so there is an inheritance there for us. That same principle is found in 1 Samuel verse um, chapter 30. Uh, we're all familiar with the story of how the Amalekites came in and uh, absolutely wasted Ziglag, took away David and his mighty men's wives and children and just burnt the town flat. David goes after them. They get halfway in their pursuit of the Amalekites. And one group, a group of about 200, were absolutely just wasted. They were, they were just so tired, they couldn't go any further. So David uh, left this group of 200 to, back to look after the stores. Uh, they follow the Amalekites. God's with them. They catch up with them. Uh, they massacre the Amalekites. They, they get all the wives and the children back. They get an incredible amount of gold and silver and, uh, and bounty. And um, the plunder that they have, they take with them back. And it says in 1 Samuel 30 verse 24 that when they return, evil Troublemakers in David's band did not want to share the plunder with those men that had stayed behind. In other words, they said, well, you weren't out there fighting like we were fighting. You stayed behind and had a rest, so you don't get the plunder. You don't get the rewards that we get for being on the front line. And this is what David said. He said, the share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. David made this a statute and an ordinance for Israel from that day to this. And it's, so it's like in our situation, the share of the plunder, the share of the blessing, the share of the rewards for those that are called to be out on the front line, uh, bringing the gospel to unreached nations, the blessing that they get is the same as the blessing that we get as we support them, as we lift them up, as we pray, as we give into their ministries, so the blessing is ours as well. So I want you to be really, really encouraged that we have an inheritance in the nation. We have a blessing that comes to us through being involved with them, <coughs> excuse me, just as if we were out there. 
And not only, not only does God call us to reach the nations and to support those that are able to go, but he has given us the responsibility and empowered us to reach our city. Okay, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You see, our responsibility is not just to pray for and give to people over on the other side of the world. Our responsibility is to take ownership for where God has placed us. And that's Fongarei. The authority and the power was given to Jesus, and that authority and power has been passed on to us to be Jesus' witnesses in Fongarei, in Northland, in New Zealand, and to the ends of the earth. We've been given the Holy Spirit not just so we can speak in tongues. That's not the reason why primarily it was given. The primary reason for God pouring out his Holy Spirit was to give us power to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. But it seems like the enemy at some stage has got in and has caused fear to arise, uh, which has melted our vision and our expectation of what we can do in the power of the Holy Spirit in our own city. Uh, Penny and I were overwhelmed by the absolute passion of these young men and these young women who have given their lives to reach their community for Jesus Christ. But it's the same passion that we had when we were first Christians, a passion that was birthed in the fires of revival. We were talking to John and Mary Elliott last lunchtime, and we were saying how many of us were born in the fires and revival, and it was nothing for us to give our whole life to the Lord. If God said, go to Ekaterhuna, we would have gone to Ekaterhuna. If God had um, told us to, to go to the uttermost parts of the world, we have done that. We would have done that. But I don't see that passion and that fire and that further rising up in the fresh generation that we see ourselves in today. But we need it. We need fresh strategies. We need fresh ideas. Fongaray is just as lost as Minsk or Kiev or Vladivostok. Uh, and we need a fresh burden for the lost. When Jesus was talking to the seven churches in Revelation, he said this. He said, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance, I know you can't tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered. You have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. These are all fantastic things. And these are things that, that the church of Jesus Christ is very, very um, good at doing. But then he says this. He says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you first had. And I really felt being overwhelmed by the passion and the zeal and the fervor of this young generation who are out giving their all to reach 
a dead and dying Europe, I felt, wow, that's what we should be doing. That's the heart that we should have. That's the further that we should have for our city. How, how can we reach Whangarei? I, I really don't know. But I know that it happens one soul at a time. And it starts with us picking up the heartbeat and the passion and the fervor that Jesus Christ has for us and the love and the acceptance and the forgiveness that he has for the lost. And so I really believe that we need to come back to our first love. I've been praying in the prayer meetings that we've had on a Thursday night for revival because every generation needs to have their own revival. It's no good me telling my sons what it was like when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon us. It's no good telling them how people walked off the streets and asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's no good telling them about the miracles. That's all secondhand. They need to experience that for themselves. They need to... They need to experience the God of revival for themselves. And so do we. And it's very, very easy for the revival fires in our hearts and our lives uh, to get cold. The way that a fire gets cold is simply you don't put fuel on it. You don't stoke it. And the same is true with us. And I guarantee there wouldn't be a person here who from time to time hasn't got a little bit quiet, a little bit colder in their spirit, in their soul, and needs to be stirred up afresh. And so what I want to do now is um, normally at this time we get the music team up and um, we'd sing a couple of choruses and uh, give an old call and that'd be, that'd be how it would finish. But what I want to do this morning is I want to do something slightly different. I want to release the music team so they can just be part of this as well. And I'm just going to show a, uh, a worship video. And I want us just to, just to stand. It's a song that we all know, so I'm not even going to put the words up. But I want you to plug into God because I have that expectation that God wants to touch people's hearts and touch people's lives. And I'm sure that where we are at, God will meet us. If we have that heart cry, if we're standing there saying, God, uh, I know that I'm thirsty, I know that I'm dry, but God, you can move in my life. If that's you, then I guarantee that right where you are, God can touch you. Right where you are. Some of you may want to come to the altar call. Uh, may want to come to the altar here. That's quite okay. You just come. But I want us to stand right now. And just drop the lights down a little bit, Stu. And um, let's just put this on. And let's just spend a few minutes just plugging into God. And let's, let's see what he'll do.
You know, the greatest miracle of all is change hearts and change lives. And, uh, you know, that was my prayer this morning as I prepared this. It was my prayer last week as I prepared this. I just envisaged us standing in the presence of God and just the Holy Spirit just coming and just touching and healing and restoring and just drawing us back to him and just sowing seeds of revival afresh in our lives and just giving us that fresh passion for the lost Lord, and so I just expect that God is just going to, he's going to do great things in us and through us, but it takes us to stir afresh the gifts that have been given us 